How many of you are excited to die? I'm just going to imagine that that's probably not the question you were expecting. What we're normally asked is how many of you fear death? How many of you are afraid of dying? How many of you hope you don't, right? Now, I may have some believer friends out there who are like, actually, people on earth be tripping and I just want to go home. (laughs) But that's not what I'm referring to either. The problem is that we do fear death and not just eventual physical bodily death, but we fear the experience of going through a mini death, a micro death, any ending in our lives. But rebirths are only possible after deaths. And once you look back at your life and learn to identify death and rebirth cycles that you have already not only survived, but been rebirthed through as a phoenix, I venture to say that by the end of this podcast, you will not only no longer fear deaths, you will be excited when you sense that one is coming. Well, hello, gorgeous one. Welcome to Bombshell Radio. Here, we combine pleasure and purpose to liberate women into their divine assignment of being the fullest expression of fierce femininity. My name is Jackie Lacroix. I believe that pleasure is a life force, beauty is for you, and your sexual design is the key to your greatest fulfillment and calling. I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Bombshell Manifesto, and I've mentored women in body, beauty, business, and intimacy with God, themselves, and men for over 10 years. Each week, you'll receive a different edition of Bombshell Radio, focusing on one of these areas, all designed to inspire you and help you optimize every area of your feminine design so that you can live your biggest, most beautiful life. If you've been longing for a place where you can merge your spirituality and your sexuality and enter a conversation that honors your body, your beauty, your business savvy, and your faith, welcome home. Let's get started. So what we're going to talk about on today's podcast is death and rebirth cycles, how to identify them, how to weather them, and how to not only survive them, but thrive through them, and how to maximize the rebirth potential that they hold. Because as I describe this, you'll probably not only be able to identify death and rebirth cycles in your own life, either those that have passed or those that are currently occurring around you, but you'll be able to see the death and rebirth opportunities that others around you or that you have known are also facing or have faced and that they haven't maximized for their rebirth potential. So much so that it can at times almost seem like they just go through the rest of their life as a zombie, just the walking dead. The death happened, but they didn't allow the rebirth. And sometimes that's because they didn't actually allow themselves in the way that they currently were or the life that they used to have or know or be able to depend on, they didn't allow it to actually fully die. 
Now, I know this may sound extremely morbid. <laughs> it's not, you know, a light and fluffy topic. But if you can learn to ride these waves of deaths and rebirths, deaths and rebirths, I think they are always going to be a part of life. I think they're inevitable. I think everyone's going to experience them, but not everyone is going to weather them well, let alone ride them to a victorious rebirth, let alone be able to master the cycle pace such that they see the next one coming, they embrace it, they ride it, and they rise even higher after it. I want you all to not only not fear death, to not fear the death and the rebirth cycle or to resist it when you feel it coming, but to become a master of life who is able to, to sense just like a giant wave that's about to crash over you. There is a rebirth that is coming. I know there are these phases that I have to go through first. I know how to go through them with grace, with dignity, with integrity, with deep compassion for myself and others. And I know that on the other side, it will literally be a new and better version of myself. So here we go. So the best way to first understand death and rebirth cycles is the phases that we go through when we sense one coming. And, you know, in the beginning, you probably don't know that that's what they are, right? It just feels like something awful. <laughs> it feels like something terrible has happened and I didn't want it to happen. And why isn't everything working out? And I thought that God was good and I thought that God loved me and I'm a good person. Did I do something wrong? Am I being punished? Right? All of those kinds of thoughts we don't even recognize when we first start to live through these things. And some people never figure it out that this is just a natural part of life. It is a death and rebirth cycle. And I now see them as God handing me opportunities on a platter to rise and go to a next level. And I know now that in order to truly rise and not just fake rise, right? Not like a social media rise where it looks like you've got it all together. Or it looks like you've gotten better or you've grown or you've evolved, but nothing internal has truly shifted. A true rise, a true rebirth requires a death. But we resist that, right? So understanding the phases of this, the first one is resistance. Then there is a grieving then there's usually a resting phase, a quiet phase, and then there is the rise. Do those all start with R's? Because if so, I didn't intend that, but that'd be pretty awesome. It's a resistance. Nope, grieving doesn't, but there's an R in it. Resistance, grieving, resting, rise. Okay? Now, I would love to tell you that the death part is optional right? I would love to do what some people call a spiritual bypass and just skip to the good part, right? Isn't there a song? Can we skip to the good part? I wish we could. And in fact, one of the earliest talks I ever gave in my career, I hadn't even started my business yet. I was in ministry and I was invited to speak to a young adult group <laughs> And I probably should have picked a lighter and fluffier topic, but I thought, wow, you know, I've got one chance to, to tell these people what I have found to be the most transformational in my life or what I think will really, you know, move the needle for them, will wake them up. And I spoke about the necessity of death in order to rebirth. And I, it was around Easter time. I was using Christ's uh, death and rebirth and ascension as the model. <laughs> and guys, it was like, a silent audience. You know what I mean? There was no cheering. 
there were barely any expressions and it's cool they were all processing and i got great feedback later but from a speaker's standpoint it was like wow this message is not landing with great you know emotion now i speak to different types of crowds more frequently again later on they were like that really woke me up but at the time i thought well I'm just going to keep going because, you know, they don't really seem to be liking the message, but it's got to be said and I'm in it and I'm going to finish it. So I'm bringing you similar, a similar topic today. And I hope that you will be able to understand the importance of this, because what I realized at that time or just before I gave that talk, the revelation that I was having in that period of my life was that even God, okay, even God, in order to execute a true rebirth, okay, not like, uh, I'm not going to get too, too harsh here, but not kind of the spirituality or the, you know, pseudo Christianity of pat, pat, pat on the head. Everybody loves everybody and nothing is wrong and there's no such thing as sin and no one's going to hell. Don't worry. You know, not that, which in my mind is just whitewashing over filth and dirt that's still keeping us trapped. This God needed and knew that it required to be true. And for the rebirth and therefore the subsequent ascension, which we won't get into a ton today, but you guys know I love to talk about the concept of ascensions. But first is a rebirth, right? Well, before a rebirth, there has to be a death, right? You can't birth something that isn't, you know, that's still alive. In order for it to be reborn, for there to be a rebirth, it has to have been not alive, right? Or there's, you know, born would not be the right word. It has to have died thoroughly, completely, right? As it says, he died and went to hell and was there for three days and then rose, conquering sin, death, and the devil. Now, if you grew up in church or something and you just know how to say whatever, a creed maybe that you just know by heart, by rote, I want you to focus on that for just a moment more than maybe you have in the past. And if you've never heard it, just stick with me here for a second. The conquering sin, death, and the devil, whatever you may think of those spiritual concepts, right? Some of you are on the same wavelength with me and my beliefs, and others of you are not necessarily, and that's totally fine. But in order for that to have happened, just looking at this as a grammatical phrase, right? The latter half of that sentence is preceded by, he died. He died spent three days in hell, and then rose, and then, right? What made the conquering possible was the death. The death had to occur, or the victory would not have been won. And I don't fully understand how that works when I get up to heaven. I intend to ask, you know, if you're God, why could you not just make it better without requiring dying? Right? Why in the equation of truth is a death of what is wrong, a death of what is old, required for the new to come? Can't the new just like float down gently like sprinkles and cupcakes and confetti and everybody's happy and no one or nothing has to die? There doesn't have to be a grieving. There doesn't have to be suffering. There doesn't have to be anything put to death. Why? Why was that so essential, right? And if you guys, again, 
know the Christian faith well, whether you share it with me or not, you know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's what Christ was basically asking. Isn't there another way, God? Isn't there another way that we could do this? Would you please let this cup pass me by? I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to die. I don't want to be flogged. I don't want to go through a trial. I don't want to do any of this. Is there not another path to the outcome that we all want, that God had, you know, desired for himself, for his children, for all of us, other than this necessity of a brutal, gory death? And the answer apparently was no. (laughs) Or even if there was, it's not what God chose, right? And I believe it's because there is some kind of law around what is old, what is quote-unquote bad, what is sin, what is If you know the definition in the Hebrew of that word, what is missing the mark, what is not accurate to truth and to design, it must be put to death in order for the rebirth to count, to be actual, to be legitimate. Now, Bible scholars can go back into the Old Testament and find all the reasons this had to happen and sacrifices, etc., and I'm sure that that's fascinating, but we can just boil it down to this core concept that in order for something to truly be victorious— to be able to be reborn and to truly ascend in, in veracity. I really want you guys to catch that in this internet-driven world. This is not, you know, the guy who rents the car in the jet and then makes a, a YouTube ad telling you he can tell you how to make a million dollars a minute too, except none of it is actually his, right? We're looking for truth. For a, for a veracity is the best word I can think of, but it's like a solidness and integrity. It has to actually be real. And the only way apparently that a true victory could be real was for there to be a total death. Now, why am I beating on this so hard? Because there are going to be moments in your life, and I bet there already have been, when a death is required and you are not going to want to do it. Because the first phase of a death and rebirth cycle is resistance. Lord, let this cup pass me by. Isn't there any other way that you can get me to the promised land, that you can deliver me to what I want, that you can bring in what I'm asking for, that you can turn me into who you've destined me to be other than a version of a death? Could we pick something else, please? right? How many of you have been in that space where you know that a change is required in your life? You can even feel it, right? There have been changes in my life sometimes where it's like, I'm not even asking for it. I can just spiritually sense it. Like there's a choo-choo train coming in the distance. You know what I'm saying? Like the light at the end of the tunnel is actually a train coming. One of those where you're like, I don't know what is coming that is shifting, but I know that I know that I know that something is. Right? So this doesn't even have to be a change that you are requesting. It can just be a sense in your spirit that there is about to be a shift. And often, if you guys are like me, I can feel it in the spiritual realms. I know that sounds weird for some of you, even Christians. That's okay. Just hang in there. Right? Where it's like, I don't know what's going on, but something's up. Right? I feel like a dark energy around a situation or even maybe certain people, or I feel, you know, I feel surrounded by light perhaps and protection, but I don't even know what I'm being protected from, you know, and then months later it will be like, oh, (laughs) you know, that's what was coming. That's what I was being protected from, you know, or whatever. It's insane. So some of you may just feel in your spirit that something different is coming, and yet, even if you asked for it, you might find yourself resisting it. 
you might find yourself thinking, I don't know. I mean, yes, what I'm living right now in whatever sense, whatever it is, how you care for your body, the home you're in, the way your home is organized, decorated, etc., a relationship or a lack of relationship or a job or a lack of whatever it is, right? A family dynamic, who knows? You know, it kind of sucks. I don't love everything about it, but it's comfy, right? My ratty whole filled blanket is comfy. <laughs> it smells like me. I've had it for years. It's always been there for me. We've gone through so many sob fests together. I'm making this up. I do not have a blanket like this. No judgment if you do though, right? Like it, there's a sense of this is where I know what I'm dealing with. This is my comfort zone. This is like, this is cozy. It might be kind of stinky or moldy or like something's off with it, but it's known. So couldn't we just stay here? Couldn't you maybe ease in the sense of change or shift, but not disturb what I know and maybe even love and have gotten really comfortable with over here? Could we just leave that intact? If you guys are like me, you might be passionate about systems. <laughs> which is a little hilarious because if you're one of my close friends, you know that I am generally a quite spontaneous person. I don't always fly by the seat of my pants, but frequently, you know, I tend to change plans, not necessarily at the last minute, but I'm always up for an adventure. But I do that in the context of systems in my life that allow me to do that without everything falling apart, <laughs> right? In the first systems that I established over a decade ago, thank you, God, were health systems. How am I going to run my body so that I can easily maintain my weight, my mood, my energy, my immunity, all of the factors of physical flourishing, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, no matter what my schedule looks like, no matter who is in my vicinity, no matter where I'm currently living, you know, it's a hotel, it's a different time zone, whatever it is, I established systems for my body care. That's what the body stewardship course now called the bombshell body course is all about my personal systems and then helping you design yours, right? That allowed me to then live wherever, do whatever, move, travel, fly, model, not <laughs> have babies, you know, all of the things because I established body care systems. Now systems that are very precious to me that I've set up in the last few years have been around time and space. I came to understand that I needed to, I first had a desire to master space where I had things set up, knowing that I could always find certain items in certain places, knowing that I literally had 15 lip balms so that there was always one wherever I needed it. I have four Brita filters, my friends. I'm actually just finally donating one of them. I have them in different parts of my house on different floors, etc. I wanted my system set up. And then as my schedule started to include more and more travel, it became even more essential that I knew where things were, that I could grab my bag and I knew my toiletries were all in there. They were all fully stocked. I'd refilled them after the last trip, you know, everything, right? That I could move quickly. And that allowed me to then master the systems of time, okay? So I'm a huge fan of things being set up where I know I can find them, right? Of coming into a house where each room has its purpose and the items there are placed where they're supposed to go. And then I can have a cleaner who comes back and helps me put them back, right? But sometimes there are seasons when the systems have to all be blown up so that a new reality can come in. Now, obviously, certain systems, your body, you know, having a phone charger and a phone, whatever, you know, they're probably going to come with you almost no matter where you go. Thank goodness. 
<laughs> you know, if we're in a first world country and there's no war and thank you, God, right? But a lot of things that we may have worked very, 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 and I'm talking like very, 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 right? Because systems did not used to be something I was good at. So maybe you had to train yourself to set up the comfort zone you currently have. I mean, you had to work, right? And then you did it. And then everywhere you go, whether this is a house or a business or an office space or your closet or your children's schedule, whatever, your color-coded pantry, you look at that and you just beam, like, look at what I have built. I am so grateful for this comfortable, organized, known, you know, security blanket that I have established. And then you start to hear the train, right? Then you start to hear God in your spirit saying, we're about to do something different. And part of you just wants to go, no, we're not. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to put my finger in my ears. I don't hear you. La, 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 la. I just, I'm not listening. We're not going to do anything different. Do you know how long it took me to set up what I have? I don't want to do anything different. Lord, I'm happy here. I'm comfy here. And God goes, but you're going to stagnate here if I leave you there. So you can stay right? Sometimes death and rebirth cycles are optional and we get to choose to stagnate and feel out of alignment, feel a little bit like the walking dead. Sometimes death and rebirth cycles are forced on us. We don't have an option. We have to scramble to sort our way through them. I personally have pivoted my prayers so that I request that God give me a heads up <laughs> so that I can be an orderly participant in them rather than them crashing in from left field. But, you know, God is God. He does what he pleases. He does seem to have helped and, and given me more of a heads up on things, though, in the last couple years, which I'm very grateful for. But sometimes the systems or the security or the comfort or the known that we have spent so much time and effort and maybe money and years of our lives and training ourselves, retraining ourselves, getting coaching on. I don't even know what you guys have done, but I know I've done it. And then God says, I want you to tear all of that down now. And you think, what? Now, for some of you, death and rebirth cycles come out of left field. Something, God forbid, happens to a child or a family member or you. Health becomes suddenly the number one priority, all of a sudden, unexpected, out of nowhere. Maybe there's a job loss. Maybe there's a massive shift in where you need to be receiving income and you have to scramble to figure out a new source. Maybe there is a natural disaster. Maybe there is a war. So many people have had their lives up-torn, uprooted, and displaced from some death and rebirth cycle, and I'm certainly not going to attribute all of them to God. He allows them, but many evil things happen that, you know, I don't think he ever would have done to us or blessed. He just simply guides us through the hell in a broken world. That's my opinion. But regardless... They occur, and then we have to survive them. Now, in the sense of death and rebirth cycles that we're, we're sensing that are coming, that we have time to prepare for, that God is inviting us to, and we're closing our ears to, 
It reminds me of the song from Frozen 2, if you guys know that movie, as well as I do from watching it dozens of times. The song Into the Unknown, right? I can hear you, but I won't. Some look for trouble while others don't. There's a thousand reasons I should go about my day and ignore your whispers, which I wish would go away. Right? She goes on, like, everyone I've ever loved is here within these walls. We're doing fine. Please stop asking me to change things. I don't want to mess things up. We're good here. We're good. Right? So in those death and rebirth cycles, resistance has a very powerful role because God is inviting us. He's giving us a heads up. Right? There's a chance to say no thank you, even if ultimately he does force it or we opt out. We're able to opt out. But that's where resistance is huge. When a death and rebirth cycle comes out of left field, when it's unexpected, there is resistance as well, but it looks more like resistance to acknowledging the horror of it, right? Almost the numbness that's one of the first stages of grieving. And grieving is the second phase of a death and rebirth cycle. Whether something that you were aware is coming was forced on you or you decided to opt in and allow something in your life that you've loved or known to die, then after the resistance, once you're done resisting, you still have to grieve it. But if something unexpected happens and it's awful, absolutely there's grieving, right? And those of you who are familiar with the various steps of grief, there are phases within grief itself. But grief is a part of death and rebirth. And one of the trickiest things I've found and that is an honor to walk with clients through is honoring and recognizing and allowing the grieving even when your sense and your spirit knows that this will ultimately be for the better or even harder when it's something that you know you want, right? That you maybe even asked for. And now here it's coming and yet you're sad. I'm upgrading my home in many ways and I'm selling some pieces of furniture to buy better versions because they are covered with kitty stains or the glass shattered and several of the items have already sold. And it was so funny, yesterday a woman who was so kind with her husband and their little baby came and bought a, a very stained small round rug that I used to have in bathrooms and things like that. And I mean, practically giving it away for the prices that I'm asking for. So she was very excited and I was very excited that anyone would want a stained rug, but you know, she's convinced she can clean it and I'm sure she can if she dedicates herself to it. But I noticed as my little round rug drove away, a sadness. Guys, she paid 15 bucks. I bought this thing off the internet. It was basically a large bathroom mat. <laughs> it truly was. And, you know, several houses ago, it was in the bathroom. But my children sat and played on that. That's where the stains came from, right? I was like, this is nail polish. This is chocolate. This is mud. Good luck, right? <laughs> but the memories of where that rug has gone with me, and it was beyond, way past time to part with it. I was excited to list it, excited that someone would want the thing. I was shocked. But I was still sad. Right? So grieving is a critical phase of a death and rebirth cycle, whether it's something that comes out of nowhere that feels awful 
and half of the grieving is the numbness and the, the shock, or whether it's something we asked for, intended, planned, and know that we wanted to know is for literally the best and highest good of all concerned. It's one of my mentors loves to say, which is a beautiful phrase, right? But I found myself putting my hand on my heart as my little rug drove away, just saying, thank you. Thank you for blessing my little family and go be a blessing to the next one. So to not force ourselves to get to the rebirth part of the death and rebirth cycle, I think is absolutely imperative. I think if we do that, we're going to be shoving down emotions that are going to come out sideways later in much worse ways. They're going to build up under the surface until suddenly we have a coping mechanism or we're behaving in a way that we don't even understand. And very possibly it's because we didn't let ourselves grieve and, and even grieve with the complexity, the awareness that I'm happy, but I'm sad. <laughs> I'm excited, but I'm horrified. I'm terrified, but I can't wait. You know, the mix of emotions and not making ourselves wrong or feeling guilty about any of it. Welcome to the human journey. Welcome to life that is both spiritual and material, that is good, that is evil, that is broken, that is perfect, that is, it's, it's a beautiful mess. And so how could our emotions toward it be anything else, but also a beautiful mess? So whether your resistance phase is long or short, maybe even part of the resistance is in resisting the grieving. That's where one phase bleeds into the next one. Don't resist the grieving. I understand resisting. I've done it myself. When you're ready to no longer resist a necessary turn of the wheel, a necessary cycle change that God is either allowing or even inviting you to, grieving what you're leaving is normal and okay and beautiful and most important of all of those words necessary. So please don't skip it. Don't think you're a better person if you don't let yourself feel the pain. If you don't, you know, sit down on the floor and just sob (laughs) over what was and what wasn't and what could have been and what has been lost. It's essential to get that out of your body, to honor it with your spirit so that you can then let it go. It's very difficult to let things go without grieving them, sensing that emotion, and then being prepared when you're ready to say goodbye and thank you. Now, as we sit in grieving, eventually we run out of tears, (laughs) right? The resistance is the fight phase. I'm not doing it. I'm not listening. I I, know I don't want to change. I'm so comfy. I built all of this. Why on earth would I change it? And then it happens or we allow it and we grieve. And when we sit on the floor and we cry over maybe everything that was or wasn't, or we just Whatever your version of grieving looks like, you have a few very trusted people who you discuss it with, eventually you're tired, right? You're tired. You're tired from the fight of having resisted it, the resisting of the grieving even perhaps. You're tired from the grieving. You're tired from the part of grieving which acknowledges the past, involves looking back at the past and what happened and what was and what used to be and how certain objects maybe used to be used and the memories attached and the people who were there who maybe aren't anymore or have passed away or whatever. 
And then you just sit there. And sometimes there's almost a guilt in the fact that the grieving has run dry. Like, shouldn't I still be grieving? This is so awful. Aren't I required to still be shedding tears over this? Shouldn't I still be sobbing and sad? But eventually your spirit is just pooped. (laughs) At least that's my experience. And from what I've heard from everybody else I've talked to who's been very conscious of these phases and their own behavior through them rather than passing over it and trying to pretend it's it's not a multi-step process is eventually you're just spent and you're sitting down and you've got a cup of tea or coffee or whatever and you look around and you're shifting out of acknowledging and maybe even mourning the past into just taking stock but it's not an act of taking stock. You're not jumping up with a pad of paper, running around making lists of what you still have. We'll do that. That's coming. But first, you're just existing, really, is the best word for it. You're just sitting there, noticing that you're still alive, that maybe other people aren't, or maybe they're in different places. They've moved on. Things have changed. Some of your items have gone, whether you've let them go or whatever some things still remain maybe they'll be in a different place maybe they'll have a different use maybe they'll be re-gifted you're reconciling with reality maybe we should add a phase (laughs) what do you think from resistance to grieving to reconciling with reality okay this is what's going on now and usually Maybe if you've been trained to be an overachiever or to work hard, to earn whatever, you may feel like you should be jumping up and getting back to work. You should be leaping off the couch and pushing yourself into building this reality. And okay, well, let's roll up our sleeves and work with what we've got. And certainly in times of crisis, you have to. And then it's important to return later and do this emotional work if you weren't able to in a moment of true crisis. But if it's a more measured death and rebirth cycle, if God is gracious enough to give you time that it spreads out a little bit, I encourage you to let yourself rest. To still cry a little bit if you need to or every now and then or to not and to not feel like you should be. To take walks, to not jump in and do the work that the next phase might require yet. To just exist for a moment. A life that you knew has just died. That's a big deal. And God forbid it wasn't a person and certainly hopefully not someone, you know, death out of order. God forbid. But even if it was a living situation or a relationship or a job or a friendship dynamic, whatever it may be, you just weathered a death. So give yourself a minute. Let yourself catch your breath. You have nothing that you owe to anyone, regardless of what they may say to you. You absolutely have the right to pause, to rest, to recover. I know of phases in my life where I just existed for months, practically. Just, I didn't even have thoughts for the processing that was happening in my heart and my mind around all the shifts that had happened. I was just getting up, puttering around, you know, doing the few things needed to be done and just letting that be okay. And I swear that that time was essential 
because as painful as a death is, it's the necessary piece, as we've said, to a rebirth. And a rebirth takes a lot of energy. It also provides a lot of energy. It's like a supernova just crashing in. It's this, there's a lot of, I don't know how else to say it, except almost like a, just a high vibrating, it's, it's an energy. There's like something is being birthed, right? If you've ever been at the birth of a child or they say when stars are born or something, there's, there's, this is intense. So let yourself rest after the death, after the grieving, because the rebirth is going to pull things out of you that you didn't even know were there. And you're probably going to wish that you had taken a nap <laughs> before it begins, right? Uh, for a couple months if necessary. But at some point after you've rested, there will most likely be a little spark of excitement, like a little tiny seed in a field that has been burned all the way down, or the first bird that starts singing after a forest fire. There will be something inside of you or around you that sparks something inside of you that is like the first call of the birds in the morning when the sun's rising. It's a sign that finally new life is about to arrive. And part of you, and I've certainly felt this in the past, may feel guilty for allowing new life as if you should spend the rest of your life somehow honoring the death that you've weathered and that somehow allowing newness and freedom and a birth would discredit the value of what used to be or all of the grieving you just did over it or that it was what it was meant to be at that time, perhaps. So there's almost an opportunity for a little tiny bit of resistance as we head into the rebirth. And that's why you'll see many people who have had a death of some sense enter their lives walking around like zombies, like the walking dead, still with the fear, still with the grief, still with the anger, perhaps the bitterness, the victim sense, the blame, the sadness, the whatever it may be. They're like the walking dead. Whatever died, they decided, whether because they didn't know better or because they felt it somehow made them feel like they mattered because they'd been through something awful or because they were afraid or because they wanted to make sure they honored what had been in the past, which is now gone. They somehow felt the need to keep it alive, so they tethered their future joy, their future dreams, their future hope, their future family, their future health, their future flourishing to the thing that has died, and they let it go down with it. Never to be born again. And you'll see these people of all ages, who are still living in a death. Because
because they were afraid or scared or felt guilt around allowing something new to be born. So my next encouragement to you here is once you've beaten the resistance, you've allowed the death, you've grieved it, you've given yourself some rest where you don't have to have any thoughts or feelings about things yet. You don't have to even know how you feel. You just have to let yourself exist. When the first little bird starts singing, that it's time for something new. Give yourself permission to live again. Give yourself permission to open the door and let a little light in as the sun rises over what felt like an endless night. And that it's not only okay, it's one of the most beautiful ways to honor whatever the meaning was of what has died. Maybe it was something awful and you're glad that it's gone. But many people exist in that sense of something bad was done to me and now I can never feel joy again because they fill in the blank. Allow yourself to honor what that was and your power and strength and God's providence and strength by now allowing a new thing to replace it. My children came home from church the other day from Sunday school with a little coloring sheet of a verse that many of you probably know, behold, I am doing a new thing, even now. And at at one point, it was very meaningful to me, the line specifically, which says there will be streams in the desert. Are you going to allow yourself, the way you see the world, the way you allow yourself to experience your one life? Because that's all I think we get. I don't think we come back, guys. (laughs) No dress rehearsals. Are you going to give God the honor? We're not going to go into subconscious theology too much here, I promise. I know I do in most of my podcasts, but do your beliefs about God allow you to allow him to do something new in your life? Or are you trapped in what he did before, what he allowed before, what happened before, who you were before, something that was a blessing before, but it has now expired and it's time for a new thing. And there is nothing wrong with allowing it. In fact, I could make many arguments that there are many things wrong with not allowing it. And whether there's a family member who you adored, who you lost, even a child, does honoring them really look like not letting yourself live anymore? When you're ready for the rebirth, I like personally, (laughs) to ease into it, right? Because to have fought a hard fight of resisting a death, then finally the death crashes down around you, something changes, you grieve it, then you're exhausted. To rush headfirst into a rebirth, the energy doesn't feel right. It just, 
I'm not going to say it feels inauthentic, but it feels a little forced and, and I want to rise into it. When you think of waking up in the morning, I don't want to be jolted by an alarm, preferably. I almost never set alarms anymore, thank God. I want to gradually wake up into the new reality. So take your time. This is where the resting phase eases in to the rebirth phase. But when it's time, take your time, yes, but allow it. Allow it to be time. And it can feel really weird, right? After a death and a grieving and a quiet phase, rebirths, in my experience, involve massive increases of strength. There's usually an ascension process in this almost, it basically happens without you even requesting it if you choose to go through this full process, right? If you try to shut down, if you resist and you opt out of the death and rebirth, you don't want anything to change, there's no ascension. If you resist the grieving and you stuff your emotions and later on they come out sideways and never processed, you, there's no ascension. If you don't allow yourself to rest and you try to rush exhausted from what you just went through into something new to build, 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 there's no ascension. You won't be able to last. You'll burn out. Only when you go through all of these processes, including allowing at last something new, something beautiful, something fresh, something alive without any guilt inside of you saying, oh my gosh, that makes what I used to live not count, not at all. In my mind, it's a beautiful way of honoring what you've already lived because it has allowed you to now be placed here, ready for this rebirth. That was invaluable. Somehow you needed it because God allowed it. But rebirths, I mean, it looks like a parade coming down the street, right? You peek out your head and you're like, can I really give myself permission to go live this incredible new life? I mean, it's so often I hear from women, it mean, it's my wildest dreams, things that I used to fantasize about as a little girl, I'm now being invited to step into because I've allowed this full death and rebirth cycle and it's literally in front of me right now and then we get to coach them through accepting it, receiving it, saying yes, heck yes, I'm all in, let's go. I'm not going to hold myself back out of things that maybe people used to say to me or of me or anything, right? If God has allowed it and God has said, this is yours, this is here, this is good, let's begin, sweetheart. I'm going to jump on the parade. But only because I've gone through all of the stages of allowing a death, letting myself grieve it, letting myself rest, and then choosing to enter into a rebirth, which is an option that many people don't choose. The celebration energy can almost feel weird and it will feel sickening if you try to enter it too soon if you haven't allowed a grieving and a resting if you haven't almost felt the resistance toward a rebirth and taken your time stepping into it rather than shoving yourself into it because you're supposed to be grateful for a new opportunity if you let your heart slowly open at a pace that feels authentic and aligned then then it truly is like coming out of a cold, dark cave and you open the door and there is like a festival outside. And all of the noise and the music and the bright colors and the happy people, it's a little bit shocking, but it's not sickening. You watch it for a while 
and then you decide to enter into it. Your brave, gorgeous, beautiful new life that only you were able to allow because you have free will, that only you were ready for because you allowed something to die, grieved it, rested, and then slowly reopened your heart. I think we could add another phase there, couldn't we? An R phase, a reopening before the rise. Because the rise is going to be intense. When something dies, it creates a blank slate. It creates an opportunity for a new identity. Right? That's why the death is so essential. Without the death, there is no blank slate. We just put a blanket over <laughs> a bunch of dirt and mud and hope that no one notices and do a song and dance on top and call it a rebirth. No, it must die. If Christ had to do it, the odds are pretty good that we have to too. And skipping it just doesn't cut it. But if we don't skip it, and then we also don't stay in it, right? Christ rose from the dead. He didn't just stay down there weeping for all of our sins. He came back and defeated them. So the rise phase involves a victory because you allowed a death. The victory gets to be complete because there was a death. But we have to then step into the victory. It's allowed We've done it. We created the environment. We did the full cycle. We allowed the total equation of what new life requires. Now, baby girl, receive it. It's here. It's time. You did it. You're out. There's a, a dance song, EDM song right now called Other Side. I think the other side. I wish I knew the artist offhand, but it's it goes, I made it to the other side. I made it to the other side. <laughs> I have loved that song. I've been singing it a lot in the last year or so. And I want you guys to, to feel that way. When you choose yourself to go under, really, under the authority of God and say, fine, kill off what you no longer want in my life. I surrender. I give you permission. It's like going under a wave, which I'm not a huge fan of being under waves. So I don't know why I keep using that metaphor. Maybe because God knows it scares me and that's what this involves. It's terrifying to go through a death and rebirth cycle. But if you allow it, like you will be catapulted to levels on the other side that are literally supernatural because you've, you've gone through this supernatural equation, basically. That's the only way I can explain it. You've allowed how God creates change to occur in your life. You haven't sat there and said, well, I'm going to read a five-step book and listen to a podcast, although I'm very grateful that you're here listening to this one. Thanks very much. I hope it's helpful, right? And have my little checklist and change my morning routine. That's cool. That can create adjustments. I call them adjustments because it's usually minor improvements on a person who hasn't truly transformed. Minor improvements are great. That's fine. Golf clap. Very nice. But I want to transform. Even as I say that, I'm like, Lord, don't you start another cycle. I've been through enough. <laughs> I can just feel in my spirit like that is not an invitation, Father. Thank you very much. Let's, let's take a breather here before we do it again. Right? <laughs> Thank God he paces them for me. Thank you, Jesus. Or I, I don't know what I would have done if they all came at one time. <sighs> but a total transformation is like being a different human being because something died. It didn't just get better. It passed away. 
and then everything went quiet. It just, it's so much like, that's why I love, I just love the Easter story and the whole process of what Christ went through because it's this process. There was a death and then there was a grieving, right? The sky turned dark. There was a silence for days. Everybody believed, oh, look, it didn't work. He must have lied. He was just a normal dude. And then he came back. It's like the ultimate booyah, <laughs> right? Jesus is like, did you not believe me? That's why the verse, that's my favorite part, just as he said. That, my friends, is the standard for total transformation, the requirement for victory. Something must die so that when it comes back, it is total victory. Not the appearance of, not the YouTube ads with the Lamborghinis and the private jets and the bunch of promises and it's all made up. Total, true, authentic, real, and complete. So if you are in or sensing that a death and rebirth cycle is coming, I know it sounds crazy, but I hope it doesn't sound as crazy as when we first started this podcast, but I want you to get excited and I get it. I do the same thing. It's like a moan and excitement. You're like, oh my God, for real, (laughs) you know, like, oh Jesus, seriously, right? I'm not saying you got to be happy. (laughs) There's only positive emotions, but something in you, something in me now Again, God, this is not an invitation. Give me a breather, (laughs) right? But something in you should go, oh, man, something's about to happen. I don't know what's on the other side of this. I know the stronger I'm resisting it, the much more important, significant, and potentially world-changing it must be, or Satan wouldn't be trying so hard to tempt me to avoid it, to turn it down, to escape it, to say no, no thanks. But if God is inviting me into a death, I know enough about the character of my father to know that on the other side of that, by necessity, because he's established it in his law, in the way that he himself orchestrated his own life in this world, a rebirth has to be coming. It has to be. It's like law. If something dies, something must be reborn. So now as I look at many deaths, micro deaths, the endings of things in my life that I have loved, that I have even clung to, that I have worked hard to establish, that I have prayed for for years and that were perfect and a blessing and a gift. And then God's like, okay, it's time for what's next. And everything in me wants to go, no, you know, I don't know, you know, but it's not everything in me anymore. It's almost like, if you guys can handle the, the silliness of this metaphor, it's almost like being some kind of secret agent, right? Or some kind of, I don't know, I don't know pop culture well enough, like some kind of crime-fighting superhero thing. You know, and you get to have a normal life for periods where you have a day job and you have a family or you have a house, you've got a dog, whatever. And then you get the call, <laughs> right? Or it's like, we gotta, I, I, don't, I don't watch enough of these shows, obviously. I'm sure they sound much cooler than I do right now. But something along the lines of, I need you. We got to go save the world again, right? Such and such has happened. Evil's on the loose. We've got to rise into a new level to defeat something evil. And that's going to require that you check out of your comfortable everyday life 
put on your like superhero suit or whatever and go battle, right? And in the, the long extended versions, right, the more adult movies, not the like Scooby-Doo ones, it usually turns into the moment right near the end where we think the hero is like has lost everything. You guys know I've talked about this before, whether it's Gandalf who dies or Elsa who's frozen or whatever, right? There's a moment where a death seems to be complete, right? And there may be moments when you're in these cycles where you think, what Jackie said is BS because everything is worse, right? She said it was going to be like how you ascend, but everything is falling apart around me. People who I thought were on my side are, what, what, what? That's always right before it gets better if you stay in the process, if you don't get tempted, right? Because Satan's going to come for you at every single moment in this cycle. He's going to try to get you to resist it. Then he's going to try to get you to not grieve or to endlessly grieve. Then he's going to try to keep you from resting, which is something God himself did. So it must be important and just shove yourself back into building without having processed and recovered, right? And he's going to tempt you to blame people, to be angry, to say, this is so much worse. It's, it's never going to be better again. That was the apex of my life, and now it's gone. He's going to tempt you to not see the rebirth that's right in front of you. And yes, it may require that you check out of your comfortable life, that everything around you is torn down even, that you reach you know, the end of the movie, if you will, that toward the end of these cycles, and I find that we have quite a few of them in our lives, if we allow them to happen and then we start to identify them and we see them happening all over right <laughs> you know in little things that just seemed like shifts and changes we start to identify the phases of death and rebirth cycles but right toward the end it can often feel like you literally have lost everything and you'll think that I've been lying to you you'll think that God's been lying to you You'll think that this was all made up in a hoax and that person or that situation or that thing or that world event or whatever ruined your whole life. And now the only option you have left is to sit at the bar into your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and tell everybody your stories about how that factor, that event, that person, that government system, whatever it is, destroyed your life. And every time you get fresh ears wandering into the bar, you tell them again, right? Those are the people who stay in the death. I'm inviting you to choose a rebirth instead. I'm inviting you to allow God to do a new thing. And then when you start to sense it and you give yourself permission to walk through all of these phases so that it is a complete cycle, a full turning of the wheel, a true total transformation of who you are so that when you come back from your death, okay, intense words, but that's what it is, whatever you've lived through, you are you know, a new creation sounds like such a cliche, but think of the intensity of those words. You are newly created. You're a new human being. You have a different identity. You're yourself, but better, right? You're not Paw Patrol. You're the Mighty Pups. You're not Gandalf in gray. You're Gandalf in white. You're Elsa in white. You've come back, 
right? Like Christ comes back and suddenly he looks a little bit different, right? His countenance had changed a little bit. There was a glow. He was even more supernatural than he ever was or, or what truly happened is it was more evident the power that he'd had all along. And that's what God is inviting us to. When everything seems to have been torn down around you and you're going through a death, whether you asked for it, you wanted it, and it's not that comfy and you wonder why you asked, or it's thrust on you without your permission, consent, or control, and you just find yourself having to survive it, or a combination. When you feel like things that you have poured years of your life, decades of your life into, are being smashed down around you by people and scenarios and situations that just seem ruthless, heartless, without any integrity or compassion or regard for law or ethics, right? And you're standing in the rubble of a life that you once were pretty comfy in, thinking, how could you have allowed this, God? I want you to recognize two things. One is that you're in the cycle, and only you can choose to complete it. Because while the deaths are forced on us sometimes, the rebirths never are. Your rebirth is always your choice. In a broken world, things fall apart all the time. But it takes stepping into being made in the image of God to decide to build again. And if as you look around at everything that's been torn down around you and you think, build again, Jackie? Build again? You know how much effort went into that? How much money? How many years? My, my effort, my resources, my time, my hope, my love, my everything. You want me to do that again? What if it gets torn down again? What if again, now that I'm even older and more tired, it's just going to be torn down a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a tenth time, a fiftieth time. Why should I build again? Did you know that the majority of businesses that people start fail? I bet you did. It's a commonly cited statistic. Did you know the majority of second time businesses succeed? Why? If the first one failed, they probably don't have a whole lot of resources. It's because the person who built it, even though it fell apart, the person, the builder, was built in the process. What I have learned is that when you're standing in the rubble of a life you used to know, when you're parting with things that you love, either intentionally or in ways that are outside of your control, and you're grieving and you're resting and you're you feel guilty about even being excited about the new because, oh, oh, this whole mess and everything seems to have been a waste. One thing was built that can never be taken away, that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be removed, and that was you. You were built in the process of allowing or surviving a destruction, a grieving, a resting, and then a commitment to rise again.
the person whose first business fails was shaped by the experience, was built by the experience. Just like in the movie scenes, right? When the hero seems to have gone down with the burning building and the entire structure is collapsing and everyone's weeping and mourning because he was the one good soul, right? She was the one good soul. Now there's no hope, right? Just like with Christ, you know, it, it didn't work. It didn't work. And then in the midst of the flames and of the falling wood and metal of the explosions, out walks the hero, the heroine. They were built. They were being built by the death and rebirth cycle, even as and because of everything that fell down around them. They were built. They were transformed. They're not pretending to be slightly improved. They literally died. Figuratively, however you want to understand it, something died. And then they chose to say, oh, really, devil? F you. And come back. And those are the people who, when you walk in a room, they look perhaps like everybody else. But there is an energy about them that is unmistakable, that is unignorable. They might not have a resume that's impressive. They might not be attractive, per se. But something about them is so real and so unshakable. They're not faking it. They're not pretending. They're not glad-handing. Something about them is almost supernatural. And I can guarantee from the hundreds of people who I've talked to who have gone through situations like that, they went through a death. They let allowed a rebirth. Everything fell down around them, and they decided to get up. And in so doing, they realized that God was building them all along. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bombshell Manifesto. The Bombshell Manifesto is a two-time number one best-selling book, and it's where I really teach the philosophy of the biblical bombshell. After spending years in ministry and now more years running my life coaching business, I see so many young women and even women well into their lives just floundering and kind of flopping around in some of the essential areas of God-created femininity, such as their relationship with God, their relationship with their bodies, their relationship with men, with sex, with beauty, with their finances. And I just don't think we have time for that. I think that we are called to do such big things for God while we're here. We've got to get these areas under control, locked on, so we can move forward toward our exciting assignments and massive callings in life. So in this book, I really give you the behind the scenes of my personal journey, struggling with what God was calling me to be as a woman going back and forth around the over-sexualized ideas of femininity or the completely asexual versions we often see in the church where we're not supposed to talk about that tough stuff. I lead you through the research and the history around the concept of a bombshell, 
a few personal visions and ideas I have around it, and then the scripture that God puts in front of us as how he wants us to understand the important role we play as women. Do you know that a woman was the way that the Savior came into the world and was the first evangelist of his resurrection and then ascension? This is a big deal, ladies. So hop over to bombshellmanifesto.com. Now you can find this book on Amazon, but if you go through bombshellmanifesto.com, I've got a couple extra fun free bonuses and ways that you can actually get free trainings and audios that take this whole concept deeper. We walk through the 12 pillars of a biblical bombshell, addressing tough areas of life like opening to vulnerability and intimacy, understanding beauty and God's calling for it, getting deeper into our confidence and our security, committing to a relationship with God that blows our minds and more. What I see so much from women and hear from them, and quite frankly, I hear it from men who are looking for a woman to marry or they want their wife to come alive in the way they know that she can, is that there's some kind of tapped in femininity that is out there that is possible, but that's incredibly difficult to find. Women long to be it, men long to find it, and this is the calling that we have as women. This is what we're able and even asked to step into, required, I would say, to step into, to live out everything God has for us. But I see so many women who are stuck in mediocrity and are told that that kind of complacency is contentment and that's where they should stay and they should just be happy with it and, you know, that's life. I don't think that's what God's asking. I don't think that's what we're here to do. And I don't think we have any more time to waste. So join me over at bombshellmanifesto.com. Let's light this thing on fire. Let's get out into the world and do what we're supposed to do. Do what we can do. Be fully who God has called us to be. The bottom line is this. The entire world is obsessed with women, and they should be. That's the way it's designed. We are the ones who continue life, who continue the human race. We are always going to be attracting people's attention. We are always going to be shaping human beings, shaping culture, and pointing people towards something. The question is, what are we pointing them toward? Have we completely released and activated every area of our God-designed femininity to do those things well? I hope you'll join me. I think there's no more important calling on this earth as a woman than to live out her full God-given design and to use it to point people to Him. So let's get this thing started. Let's set ourselves free. Let's set our families free. And let's light the world ablaze with the truth that is only in the gospel. I'll see you at bombshellmanifesto.com.